Corinthians chapter 6. Lag on the play. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Um, Y'all, uh, my sisters are doing yoga today, uh, so I thought it would be a great excuse, opportunity for me uh, to dress down a little bit too. And um, I want to preach a little bit. We've been talking about all things. That's what we've been talking about for this year and for the beginning of this year. I want to read through a passage, and then I'm going to, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll elaborate. We'll kind of walk through the passage. I'm doing my Fred Price today. I'm going to walk through the passage. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to read it first, and then we're going to go back and walk through the passage so we can kind of see what's going on uh, in the passage. Is that all right? I, I can't do the voice for you, but I, I, I'll walk through the passage for you. All right. If you're there, say amen. First Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, meet me at verse 12. First Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 12, 1 Corinthians 6 and 12, it says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food is for the stomach and stomach for food, but God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Now, God has not only now God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up through his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. That was just bold, huh? He just came right out with that. Just no warm-up, nothing. He said, verse 16, or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says, the two shall become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee immorality. Uh, every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been, for you have been bought with a price, Therefore, glorify God uh, in your bodies. I'd like to use as a title and a thought uh, this morning, Out of Bounds. Out of Bounds. Hence, my referee shirt and my whistle. I get to blow a whistle. It might be a little mixture of both. I want to talk about out of bounds. Even Dana's like, that's too much. <laughs> out of bounds. Where, 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 where are my fellas at? Where are my fellas at? Where are my guys at? All right. Hey, we're going to go play street ball, okay? We're going to go downstairs. We're going to go downstairs, and we're gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm going to grab the football. We're going to play street ball. When we were a kid, one of the first things you had to do when you got ready to play street ball was you had to tell them that street light right there, that car over here, this tree, not that tree, this tree, all right? And then in grandmama's driveway, that's out of bounds, right? One of the first things you've got to do when you get ready to play street ball is I need to know what's the playing field. I need to know how far I can go. I need to know what areas I can play in. I need to know where I can maneuver in. I need to know what are the boundaries of our game. I don't have no street ball, y'all, y'all. Because as soon as somebody go past that car, no, dude, you out, you out, you out. You out of bounds. They don't count. 
And I need to know where are the lines if I'm going to play this game with you. If, if, if we're going to get down, where are the lines? How, how far can I take this? You know, and then we don't have instant replay in the hood. I'm just saying, real talk. Come on, let's be honest. Instant replay was a fight. You playing ball, somebody foul you, you you're like, hey, that was a foul. No, it wasn't. That's either one of y'all going to give in or that's a fight. That's how it go down. Or, you know, you know, we got, then we got more civilized. Shoot for it. Shoot for it. Ball don't lie. Ball don't lie. I don't have no help. Because <laughs> you got to shoot. You know, you, you shoot it from the top of the key. If you make it, then that's our way of saying that God had really ordained for you to win. I'm trying to give y'all some blacktop theology this morning. We, the ball don't lie. If you make that shot, then God is for you. We didn't say it like that, but that's what it meant. If you make that shot, then what we're saying is, okay, then it wasn't a foul. All right. Or it was a foul. We're giving you, we're saying we're going to put all of our confidence in what happens with this ball. Y'all feel me? Playing street ball, man, if you go out of bounds, there is no instant replay. There is no whatever. It's just you was out. And you can sit and try to fight and argue all you want to, but depending on who you play with. Depend on who you play with, I got some, uh, Wayne, uh, Dana, Durant, y'all, depend on who you play with, I might just let you have that one just so that on the next play I can show you you was really out of bounds. You understand, I'm going to let that slide, okay, but hike it, go ahead, snap the ball, I dare you. And so when we get ready to play these games, I need to know, I need to know where the lines are. I need to know how much wiggle room I have in between everything. Does that make sense? All right. Now, let's go back and let's walk through the passage and let's see how in the world pastor got there. All right. So, go back to verse 12. He says, all things, from, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Paul uses the same phrase, the phrase that we've been using this year, this month, this all things. But Paul is really not talking about all things. Let me be clear. Paul is using all things to talk about some things. Because he says all things are lawful for me, right? But not all things are expedient. In other words, in other words, there are a lot of there's a lot of things I could do, but it won't help me. So what he's saying is that he's using the term all things to talk about some things. See, see all things is cool, but there's some of the all that'll mess you up. Paul uses all things to talk about the fact that there are some things in the all things that might jack you up. So, yes, is there freedom in Christ? Is there liberty in Jesus? Oh, my God. Yes, all of that. Where the spirit is, there is liberty. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm free and free indeed. We sing all the freedom songs, right? But in that freedom, there are some things in the all things that might give you a bad rap. Some of the all things can cause problems because there are some things that you can get away with. But you shouldn't do because it actually holds back your progress. There are certain things that, 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 that you could do. They're not necessarily illegal, but, but if you engage in them, they will find a way to master and lord over you. Some things aren't unethical, but you'll spend your life chasing them, which will turn you into an unethical person. Some things aren't bad necessarily, but they begin to eat away at the good in you. 
And so the point Paul is making is, 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 and I wish that Paul would have been read a little bit more by some of the Pentecostal and holiness folk that we were raised under because some of them, they didn't read this part because they told us all things were evil. They, everything was of the devil. The TV was a devil. The movies were a devil. Makeup was a devil. Jewelry was a devil. Everything was a demon and a devil. And Paul says it's not true. Everything is, you have freedom in Christ, but in your freedom, you've got to be careful with how you entertain and how you walk in the authority of your freedom because there are things that you can get caught up in in your freedom that will actually cause you to be back in bondage. He says that all things are lawful for me, but I don't want to be mastered by any of these things. So even though it's okay for me, there's nothing wrong, and I'm going to say this real loud and real clear. And I want you to hear the first statement and the second statement. There is absolutely nothing wrong with a Christian having a drink. There's nothing wrong with a believer having a drink. It ain't not one passage in the Bible. Not one. Not one. Well, it says, well, the Bible says stay away from strong drink. First of all, he's talking to specific, specific sects of the Levites that had given themselves over, the Nazarites that had given themselves over and made a vow to God not to do that. And second of all, strong drink was one of the three different categories in Hebrew that we see for alcohol, and strong drink was a particular type of strong ale. So don't get me, don't, please don't start with me, okay? If you're going to come, bring your Bible. The Bible never says that a believer can't have a drink. <laughs> Somebody said, I'll drink to that, you ratchet. <laughs> but I need you to hear the second statement as loud as the first. But some of you have addictive personalities. Some of you are excessive as hell. And you don't know how to have a glass of Stella. Because it's so sweet, it's just, and next thing now the bottle is gone. I went too far? Oh. <laughs> I stepped on somebody's auntie, huh? I'm messing with somebody's auntie, Stella. So listen, 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 come back. It's not that a drink of wine or an alcoholic beverage will send you to hell. That's not it. The thing is that some of us have addictive and, and excessive personalities, and so certain things, even though they're lawful, they're not profitable for you. There, it's, there are certain things that are not illegal. You just shouldn't do it because you don't know how to handle yourself. She said it. There are certain men... And women, your eyeballs tend to roam when you don't mean for them to roam. So why in the world would you be on www.bigbooties.com? We got guests and y'all got me out here. Y'all make some noise. Let's celebrate all of our guests and visitors. Come on. Praise God for all of our guests and visitors that are here this morning. We so appreciate you. We honor you for being here. Let me help you. Let me help you. And y'all probably maybe should have sent. The, well, anyway, all right. Um, I'm going to do this. Y'all pray for me. I'm going to do this real good. 
Because what happens is you groan. These are, the, these, are, these, are the, these are the things that run through our head. Let's go ahead and be real honest in church. Try this for a change. The things that run through your head, I'm grown. I ain't hurt nobody. At least I ain't out there fornicating. You know, you know, I had a long week. I've been good for three months. I was trying to help. I was trying to help. Look, and so we begin to justify. Look, Paul had a thorn in his flesh. Maybe it's just my, maybe it's just my, maybe this is what, this is going to be my issue. And the problem is that we begin to walk in an area that may not be illegal. And, 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 and there is no, no, there is no quote-unquote equivalent of pornography in the scripture. You can say, well, no, because uh, fornication, porneia in the Greek, and, then, and that's where we get the word pornography from. I get that. It's about writings of or pictures of uh, pornography. I get that. I understand that. But they didn't have Hustler magazine. They didn't have, uh, you know, the website. That's not the same. You're not going to go back to the scripture and find that. What you will find, though, is that if you look at a woman even to lust after her. Y'all with me? My point is this. I went through all of that to say this. There are certain things that we've rationalized that these things aren't horrible. They're not going to kill me so I can do this. And what we don't understand is at the same time, we're allowing ourselves to be mastered and owned by the things we keep engaging in. So, so maybe the porn thing was a little too touchy for you. You didn't come to church this morning to hear about porn. All right, well, maybe it's your, maybe it's your medicinal marijuana. You know, you ain't got cataracts, but you just got stuff. Come on. Maybe it's the fact that underneath your, underneath your counter, you, maybe it's the fact you got your own liquor counter. Talk to me, somebody. Whatever you want to insert right there, and some of you, some of you, yeah, and, ooh, this, mm, I'm trying to be good today. To me, the one kind of Christian that really bothers me sometimes is the one who, who, who sex ain't they thing. And, and drugs ain't they thing, so they think that they don't have a thing. Just because your thing may not be obvious and flaunted out or whatever don't mean you ain't got a thing. You lying, judgmental, demonic, oppressive, evil, stealing, you know, all, all of this, all of it is a thing. Ego is a thing. You don't believe me, turn on the news and watch the president. Ego is a thing. So whatever your thing is, insert your thing. Many of us have rationalized, well, at least I'm doing this and not that. And then we get into this, this stupid Christian tit-for-tat thing where my sin ain't as bad as they sin. Well, at least I'm not doing what they're doing. And all sin, all of it is unrighteousness. All of us have messed up. And so I keep trying to tell people, man, forget, you know, the whole thing, don't throw rocks if you live in a glass glass house. I have a very, very nice, beautiful glass mansion. I don't own rocks. I don't buy rocks no more. I don't want to, I don't look, I don't like looking at rocks. I don't put rocks on layaway because I fully recognize that I am a fallible, jacked up individual. And aside from the Holy Spirit in me, I am nothing. So I don't have time to judge your issue or your thing or try to figure out if my thing ain't as bad as yours. And just because somebody else's sin is more visible doesn't mean that you're good. Let's go ahead since we're out here. Let's finish this up real quick. 
I mean, I'm already out here. Because the easy thing is homosexuality. At least you think it is. Half of you missed that. It's easy because when you see a man who is feminine, who is feminine or flamboyant, or you see a woman who is more masculine, it's easy for you to see that. I've said this before, but I had a conversation with a, a fellow pastor. This was right around the time we were doing the Pink Elephant Conference. The pastor was trying to tell me I don't need to be having that conversation in the church about sexuality in the church, homosexuality in the church. This is what they told me. And they told me, they said, yeah, I had a gay couple come into my church, and, you know, they were sitting in the back and all hugged up and cuddled up. And so I went back and told them, you know, hey, you know, this is a holiness church. We don't do that here. I said, okay. I said, here's my next question for you. I said, good for you. I said, great. Kudos. Great. Gold star. I said, yo, bro, um, anybody in your choir sleeping together? Well, I'm sure somebody, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't want to know about conjecture. You're the pastor. You know stuff. Anybody in your church that you know sleeping together? Yeah, I'm sure. I, I know for a fact. Anybody in your church living together and they're not married? Yeah, we got a couple. Did you go to them on the first time and tell them, oh, no, it's a holy church. We don't do that. Or did you leave them alone because they pay tithe? I can't stand this, this, this favoritism sin game that we play. Where certain things, are that's off limits, but this is okay. So it's okay for me to steal money from the church. It's just not okay for me to have a baby by somebody else. All of it is not okay. You understand? And, and, we, and we do this, this, this spectrum-tiered hierarchy of sin. Where the ones that are visible, those are really bad. Like, if you a hoe, just don't dress like one. You know what I mean? I'm, we good with you. As long as you hide. Here's, and, and listen, listen, listen to the hypocritical nature of the institution that we've created. I really don't care what your scene is as long as you can dress it up and disguise it. Which is why particularly in African-American congregations, we didn't deal with homosexuality in the 60s or the 70s or the 80s or the 90s. We just sat there and let people that we knew were doing stuff that we thought was out of bounds, but we didn't say nothing to them because they were running our music departments. So as long as you hid it when you came in here, that's okay. And now we've basically created a culture of avatar Christianity where nobody can honestly be who they are. Nobody can come in and say, I'm really jacked up and I'm high as a Georgia pine right now. And I really need somebody to walk me through my steps of recovery. But because I, gotta, I feel the obligation and the responsibility to come in here and put a face on for you, I never get to the real me. And the real me never gets the help that the real me needs. Out of bounds. Paul says, listen, there are certain things that are okay, and then there's certain stuff you shouldn't engage in. Not because it all by itself will send you to hell, but because it has the tendency to become your master and your owner. And if you love the Lord, the Lord should be your master. I'm running out of time, and I'm only at verse 13. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Verse 14, now God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise up Jesus by, through his power. So if he raised up Christ, he's got the ability to raise us up too. Somebody say amen. amen. 
Verse 15, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says the two shall become one flesh, but the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. And here's the thing that I love. I need my theologians, my scholars to go with me for a minute. Here's the thing that I love because Paul is always used in the holiness and Pentecostal church to talk about touch not the unclean thing. and all that. We always run to Paul, holy, 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 and, and the flesh is evil, and in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. We always run to Paul. But Paul simply makes a statement here, or I should say boldly makes a statement here, that your body is valuable that your body matters. So, so we've got to unveil this, this, I don't have time to unpack it, this, this Greco-Roman, this European, this Platonic, and, 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 and this Plato and Socrates worldview that everything that you can see and touch is bad and everything spiritual is good. That's, that's not in the Bible. That's in Greco-Roman Greek philosophy. That's Plato and Socrates. Some of you took him in college and you learned about the allegory of the cave and how Plato and Aristotle, they believe that these things were, oh, it's, it's mirrors and shadows and forms and the things that are physical, that's horrible and evil and, and only the spirit is good. That's not in the Bible because the Bible says that God spoke into nothingness and created everything that was. And when he created the thing, he stepped back at the physical stuff that he had made and said, man, my God, that's pretty good. He created male and female in his likeness and image and he said it was good so don't tell me that everything physical is bad no things that are physical are not inherently bad it's just that we live in a broken world that is tainted by sin because if not then when God saves you why doesn't he castrate you it's a deep conversation in here this morning I don't know where y'all went I'm I'm just saying, if, 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 if God, listen to me, if God did not want your sexuality to be a part of who you are as a human being, if it was so horrible and evil, why is it that when he saves you, oh, come on, you Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, y'all quiet on me now, got the Holy Ghost and speaking tongues, but you still got urges too. And if there wasn't a need and a purpose and a goodness in that, why wouldn't God have just done away with it? Why was it that when man, when, when humanity fell from God's grace in the garden, why didn't God condemn them or change them? Nothing physically changed about us from the moment God created us to the moment that we fell or that we walked into sin. Physically, we are the same exact beings that we were when God created us. So our physical bodies are not this evil, horrible thing that needs to be beaten into submission. It is our will and our spirit that must come into line with the Holy Ghost so that you can bring your body into subjection because your mind is just as jacked up as your body. Paul says, Paul says you wouldn't take your body. He said, I need you to know that your body is a member of Jesus. This is the same Paul that talks about, you know, the body of Christ, right? So, so you are joined, you are connected, you are interwoven into the body of Christ. Physically, physically your body is part of the larger physical body of Christ. And you wouldn't take the body of Christ and attach it to a prostitute. Now, here's the thing that it's like, man, Paul, you just came way out of left field and just like uppercutted us with the prostitute thing. 
you know, like, you know, I didn't, I didn't pay for the prostitution. I, this month I didn't pay for prostitution, so I'm good. That's what we tell Paul, right? But you miss the context because Paul is talking to a group of people who have not grown up as Hebrews. These are people that grew up in a society where the temple prostitute was a normal part of their everyday life. So what Paul is actually saying here is that when you come to Christ, you become grafted into the physical body of Christ. And now that you are grafted into the physical body of Christ, you cannot return to the practices that kept you from Christ. Because scripturally, when you, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you engage in sexual, in sexual intimacy, you become one. Right? So he says, you can't go back and become one with the very thing that I pulled you from. All right, let me, let's have a grown folk conversation. There comes a point in every relationship where you can't talk to your ex no more. At a certain point in the relationship, now you can dictate where that line is, but there comes a certain point in the relationship where there's a line. And once we cross this line, I don't want to hear about her. I don't want to hear about him. You, no, no. No texts, no emails, no hanging out. No, you cannot go to coffee. No, y'all cannot just catch up. I got your catch up. Come on, help me somebody. Why y'all? That got me out here like I'm the only one that thinks this. At a certain point, no, you cannot talk. Come on, you can't talk to your ex no more. No. And some of us, we, you know, we go real deep, you know, Delete them on Facebook. Delete them on. Every, I don't want. I don't want them. Have, I don't want them having access to you. Because watch this. Because you feel it is a level of disrespect for your spouse to be communicating with your ex. You feel it is a level of disrespect for your spouse to be in constant communication with the person they used to be in that type of relationship with. And what do you think God is saying here? You and I are now one. You don't get to go be one with nobody else now. You and I are one. This is the relationship. This is the marriage. This is where you spend your time now. You, can't, you don't get to go back to the old things. Talking about you going back down memory lane. The devil is a lie. <laughs> you out, you ejected, you gone. <laughs> Flagrant, you out. I tell my girls, I tell my girls, I tell them all the time, remember what your last name is. I tell them, your last name is Radcliffe. And it's not that I think that my last name is better than anybody else's. Okay. It's not that I think that my name is whatever. It's, it's just my name. If it was Smith or Simpson or whatever, it'd be that. The point is that I need them to know that when they leave my house, they still carry my name. Wherever they go, they carry more than just them with them. They carry all of us with them. And so when you, go, when you go to the party, when you go to the campus, when you go to the whatever, everywhere you go, you carry all of us with you. So I need you to respect us wherever you take us. And this is what Paul is getting at, that, that your relationship with God is not the thing you do on Sunday for an hour and a half. 
It's what you do all the time. You are a believer who goes to work there. You are a believer who's on the 405 traffic, 405 freeway sitting in traffic. You are a believer on the 110, on the 105. You are a believer at Ralph's and, and, and Zodi's and J.J. Newberry's and Circuit City and Kroger and ABC and Boys Market. Y'all know, come on. <laughs> Circuit City, come on. I hear they coming back. I hear they're coming back online, like for real. <laughs> yeah. But you are, the fact that you are a Christian, it's, 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 it's your relationship, it's your marriage, it's, it's your family. You are connected to it everywhere you go. So, so they used to sing, take the Lord along with you. Y'all know that song. Real quick, let's, I got to finish this up. Verse 18, flee immorality. Every other sin that the man commits is outside the body, but in the immoral man sins against his own body. Here's, again, Paul has a high value, high esteem on the body. He says that all the other sins, when you sin, you're, you're, you're affecting other things and other people. But this sexual immorality, you're actually turning and harming your own body. He says, so why would you do that? Why would you harm your own body? Then he gets to this thing where, while, um, uh, Paul has given us the guidelines. He's told us, hey, I've now told you the parameters for y'all to play ball. That's what he said, right? So imagine Paul. Paul is out there in the street. What is Paul is, has told us, all right, that's too far. That's too far. That's too far. And that's too far. Paul has told us, that's how you're going to play this game, okay? These are the parameters. Anything outside of that is out of bounds. If you, if you return to your ex, that's out of bounds. If you engage in things that begin to master over you, lord over you, it's out of bounds. If, if you don't respect and carry the relationship everywhere you go, that's it's out of bounds. Now, now, here is the trip that messed me up. Get to the last verses. He says, verse number 19 and 20, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. So, so, so Paul makes this great thing, you know, hey, this is, this is where you're going, this is out of bounds, and, and now let's play ball, right? And here is where I need to talk just for, just for like a few seconds. Get, I'm, I'm getting ready to get out of here. This is where I need to talk to every person who is somewhat of a leader in the body of Christ. Because this convicted me. Shannon, this messed me up. I said, all right, cool. Play, play ball, right? And God said, no, no, no. You get to play. No, you get to play. Most of us as Christian leaders, we feel like it's our job to control the action. I'm ready to call. I just studied the playbook. I, I got the rules. I'm ready. I've, I've I know. Let's go, God. And God's like, no, 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 no. In case you didn't get it. Paul said you've been bought with a price. So let me put it into language that you would understand. I bought your contract out. Yeah. 
I bought out your contract. You don't, you don't get to blow a whistle. You don't get to determine when somebody is right or wrong. You, you don't get to sit in the sidelines or run through the action and try to call the shots. Do you feel what I'm saying? He said. means that I lead by my play on the floor. I needed, I, yeah, I needed about four more leaders to catch this. I don't, I, don't, I don't lead from up here. I preach from up here. I lead from down here. I, 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 I preach and teach about discipleship up here, but I do discipleship down here. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a need for the podium. There's a need for the microphone. There's a need for the office. But you don't carry out how you do it from up there. That's not where we do it. And unfortunately, in many of our churches, we have placed all the responsibility on up here. And so how we lead is up here. And the pastor is up here. And the pastor looks down. And, it, and we've done all that. And that's why many of our games, we're losing the games because we don't even have a full team. Too many of us uh, in leadership have become not even, not even just a deliberate egotistical move, but we've been sucked into the, 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 the lie that we have to do this thing from up here. But we've never been called to be in charge. The Bible says that we have been bought with a price, which means that he owns me. He gets to tell me where to go. He gets to tell me what to do. He gets to tell me where I got to stand. He gets to say everything. Now, here is the problem. Those of us who are leaders don't like that. Can I, can I give you another word real quick? Give me something close. Make me calm down. Make me close. Because you, you give me that Benny Hinn background. <laughs> Here's the problem. Many of us as leaders have bought into an image of leadership that is above the people. We bought into an image of leadership that says that, that, that I'm up here. And, and there's a problem with that. Because when we talk about God-given leadership in the church, in the body of Christ, there's a one word that just keeps coming up over and over and over and over again. And it's a steward. It says, moreover, it is required of a steward that he be found faithful. Right? Every time we look at God talking about people that he's, he's gifted or placed, there's, there's this concept or the theme or the word of stewardship that keeps coming back. And the thing about stewardship is the steward don't own nothing. The steward doesn't own. The master owns. So I'm asking God, what does it look like for a church to believe, first and foremost, that their walk with God has boundaries. That you don't get to do everything you want to do. That there are restrictions on you. And it's not this, it's not this, you know, uh, don't go to the movies, don't wear makeup. It's not that. But there are boundaries for our faith. God has set the playing field. What would it look like for a church to accept the boundaries and play within the field. 
what would it look like for a church to then say, while I'm playing in the field, I recognize that the team has an owner. And that the owner decides what's going to happen with the team. Now, that's a sensitive subject for us because we in L.A. and we got the whole, we still dealing with the Clipper ownership thing, right? Some of you Cowboys fans still, I don't know what y'all do with Jerry Jones. I don't know what, we got bad images of ownership, right? And then lastly, what would it look like for the leaders in the church not to try to lead from here, but to lead on the team? To lead among the people. That part of the way I do my ministry, part of the way whether I show up or not, when I show up, how I show up, if I'm prepared when I show up. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That all of this has to do with the fact that I'm leading from here. That God has called me to be here. What if Paul, instead of wanting us to be the chief whistleblowers, wanted us to be the chief teammates? What does it look like for a church to buy into a concept where all of us are literally on the same team and the goal is the kingdom? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, this morning, I pray that we here as a people that our relationship with you comes with restriction. I pray that we hear that you have set the playing field for us in our faith. I pray that you hear that we are yours wholly and completely. I pray that we hear, God, that we will remove this, this sense of superiority, this sense of hierarchy, and that, God, we would rest in leading in the team. I know that the church is full of people. And as people, we, 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 we can be funny. But God, help us. Help us to work together. That souls might be saved. That the naked would be clothed. The hungry would be fed. God, help us, God, to do exactly what you've called us to do. Help us to be about the mission. Help us to be about the kingdom. Father, help us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.